Welcome back to Comics Over Time, where we shine a spotlight on classic comic stories and the TV shows or big screen blockbusters they inspired. We'll look to connect the dots from the comic book panels to the moving pictures, examining where the adaptation followed the comics closely and where they decided to go their own way. And when we're done, we'll try and answer that most important of questions, who told the tale best? My name is Dwayne, and with me, as always, is my good buddy Dan. Dan, how's it going this week? Going really well. Looking forward to talking about some classic DC comic books. So we're getting ready for the release of another new movie. And this one, of course, is The Flash, a long-delayed and scandal-plagued movie that promised to sort of wrap up the current DC movie universe and set the stage for a new normal under James Gunn's leadership. So some interesting stuff to talk about this week. Yes, I don't, I don't know anything about this character before reading some comics this week, and uh, it's been enlightening and kind of uh, the opposite of enlightening, I guess, it would be a bit, a bit yeah. muddled as well. So looking forward to talking about that. Let's jump in and talk about some comic book news real quick. Stan Lee documentary to debut June 16th on Disney+. Plus. Uh, there is a trailer for that that we will link to in the show notes, as well as a a review of it in Variety uh, on the Variety website. It looks interesting. I've seen it in a couple places, and and uh, from the Variety review, it says Stanley is a fan service documentary released by Disney Plus, and it's very well made. And watching it, you're confronted with the revelation that comic books that Lee began to create in 1961 didn't just mark a seismic break from the comic books of the past their thorny flawed catches catch can humanity now stands in stark contrast to a majority of the movies that have been spun off the comic books over the last 40 years so really interesting stuff uh they talk about it being in his own words there seems to be a lot of interviews with stan lee i'm i'm very much looking forward to watching this how about you yeah, I think that Stanley biographies and sort of memoir retrospective type things are always interesting because he is a, he is himself a character, right? Yes. Stanley has written his own story. He's had ghostwriters write his story. He's had other people write his story. It would it would be very difficult to ever come up with a true history of Stanley, but all of them are entertaining. So. Some people think of him as sort of the great myth maker of our time. Some think he's just a huckster who kept sort of stealing the ideas of, of better artists around him and the like. Most folks are somewhere in between where they give him credit for the fact the Marvel Universe would not be what it is without him. And I'm looking forward to it. I, I always enjoy these sort of behind the scenes on the comic industry types of shows. And this will hopefully be one of the better produced and better made ones that we've had in quite a while. Uh, definitely, definitely looks good, and and uh, we should we should talk about it in a in a few you know after we get a both both get a chance to see it and and give you a few of our thoughts on that. Uh, moving over to Marvel Unlimited, there is fifteen new books, uh, including one number one Predator number one. Uh, you've got characters like Silver Surfer, Scarlet Witch, Fantastic Four. 
Black Panther, The X-Men, and Moon Knight, all with new books coming out this week that you can dive into if, if one of those strikes your fancy. So lots of, lots of interesting stuff to choose from. And uh, Dan, you got a recommendation for us for this week? I do, actually. On the non-comic side, Charles Sewell, who has been writing a bunch of good stuff uh, on Discovered Country, other things, actually came out with his third novel this last week. It's called The Endless Vessel. I'm displaying it here for Dwayne to enjoy. The rest of you will see if we can put a Twitter post or something out on it. Interesting story about a world where a number of people are starting to come down with this disease called the gray that just sort of makes them lose interest in the world around them. And a young woman who finds this trail of sort of curious happenings that she's trying to follow, not only to try and fix the device that she accidentally broke that could save the world, but also just to sort of learn some new things and give herself some purpose. I am about a third of the way through so far. I just got it a couple days ago. Really enjoying it. And Sewell's other books are also excellent. Uh, there's one called The Oracle Code and one called Anyway. If you haven't already, pick them up. Good stuff. It's funny you mentioned Charles Sewell because I had just picked up the final two issues of 8 Billion Genies and started from the beginning reading that again because mm-hmm. uh, I got about halfway through and then I was waiting until the last books came out. They, they are now out. I bought them all. So I have all eight digitally. And I started at book one again. And I'm going to read through and have read the first two books of that. Uh, in So that I can I can get actually all the way through the story now this time. Did you, did you end up finishing that? Oh, absolutely. I read them. And then my son and I were at a comic convention earlier this year where Sewell and Ryan Brown were tabling and then doing sessions. So he actually went to the 8 Billion Genies panel with me without ever having actually read an 8 Billion Genies comic. So I had the first issue along to be signed, so I gave it to him while we were waiting for it to start so he could read. And then he finished it, my daughter finished it, they both liked it, I enjoyed it a lot. It's also interesting that it has been optioned for development for television. And so we'll see how that goes, uh, exactly how they go about getting the the genies designed and and how a a show that's that high a concept would actually work in the the real world or in the television world. Live action. Live action world. Let's call it that. All right. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got a stack of comics this week. Dan, what did we read? So I went kind of easy on you this week. Now I'm feeling bad. I could have thrown in more. I could have thrown in more Flash history to maybe soften some of this for you. But we went with the Flash Volume Three, number eight through twelve. And we went with Flashpoint, number one through five, and kind of just a fun, a fun start to some of the things that I think are going to be useful for the movie. This is not a retrospective of the Flash. It's particularly comics that could help you understand the Flash movie we're going to be going to this next week. Sure. Very much appreciated because, as I said, I don't really know anything about the Flash going into this. And, uh, yeah, there there is um, a lot, I guess, there. Like, I mean, this isn't like... there. The, there's a, a lot of 
complexity to this character that was unexpected to me going into this. I thought it was just a guy that runs around really fast, but there's there there's a whole sort of universe and and lots of things going on in different versions and all this sort of thing. Yep, and the reason why we went with these books, the the last five books of Flash Volume 3, essentially tell the origin story of Eubard Thawne, the Reverse Flash. But that also ends up telling you the sort of tragic backstory of Barry Allen. Like how it was that the Flash sort of ended up losing his mother and has had this quest, like the reason he became a scientist and works with the police department is to try and solve mysteries and originally to try and be able to prove that his father was not the one who actually killed his mom. And so that original five issues there kind of sets us up with this idea of one of Flash's villains did something that wrecked his life. And then the next five books, Flashpoint, are what happens when he tries to fix that after he finds out. Things don't go as well as he might have hoped, right? No, there there was uh, definitely some unintended consequences that occurred there. We'll call them complications that, that had yes. to be dealt with. So, essentially, from what I've seen of the previews, what I've seen of the characters that are going to be involved in a lot of this sort of thing, my belief is that in some form or another, the Flashpoint storyline is the core of the Flash movie. Now let's see, after you've read these and we talk about them, what aspects they take moving forward into the movie and what aspects they leave. Because I think there's going to be a number of things that just aren't dealt with. For one, we've seen no mention of a reverse Flash and seen nothing of the reverse Flash in any of the previews. But he's pretty big to this story, as we'll see. He's very important to this story. So I'm betting that they're still going to find a way around that, or that he's the surprise that we'll find out later on as we get in. We'll see what happens. All right. So before we dive into the actual books themselves, we usually do a creator spotlight this week. Dan, who are we going to be looking at specifically? So the name that you'll see on all of the comics this week is Jeff Johns as the writer. And Johns has been working in entertainment now for a long, long time. He actually started way back in like the mid-90s or, or even earlier working for a guy named Richard Donner, who originally actually was one of the people who made the Superman movies, like the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Recognize from that, that name. Yeah, from that he met some people who work in comics And that got him in the door at DC Comics, and he took over and did a lot of really well-known runs on major characters. He he did a big run on the Wally West Flash. He's done runs on Justice League. He's done a lot of runs on the JSA and some of these other characters. Somebody who has a sort of encyclopedic knowledge of the old characters and really does a good job of, of writing what we'd call traditional characters. So he also has worked a lot in Hollywood because he became actually the president and CEO of what was called DC Entertainment, which was sort of the television wing of DC Comics for a while. And he did a lot of things with developing those relationships. He also, through that, 
worked on some of the movie stuff and became a little bit um, controversial in the way that he impacted some of the Snyderverse elements. Uh, some people say that he is the reason why we got the Joss Whedon cut of the Snyder Justice League, for instance. So the thing about Johns is he's actually done a bunch of stuff with revitalizing DC characters. He did something called Flash Rebirth, where he brought Barry Allen back from the dead, because Allen had actually been dead for well over a decade, a couple decades, and had been replaced by Wally West. He brought Hal Jordan back, who had been turned into an evil parasite and killed half the galaxy, which you'd think would be unrecoverable, but they brought him back. And then he did Flashpoint, wherein he essentially remade the DC universe. Uh, he's also made a lot of original characters, including one called Courtney, who is the new Stargirl. This is actually kind of a tragic uh, homage because his younger sister was actually on the TWA Flight 800 that crashed back in 1996. essentially like some sort of problem with the fuel tank, but it was one of the biggest air disasters in history. So in any case, he's an interesting guy. He's written a bunch of stuff. And while a lot of things have gone a little bit nuts, sometimes Flashpoint in some ways is one of his most important contributions to the DC universe because it was what they used to reset the entire universe and then start up something called the new 52 the next month. Yeah. There's an actual, uh, or uh, like a advertisement in one of the flashpoint books that talks about all the new book, all the new number ones coming out that, that next month. And it yep. is just amazing to see like yes. every every DC character, you know, and probably a few, you don't, are getting new, you know, a new book that very next month. It's great. It was crazy to see. It was, it really was. So maybe we should go and find out how this happened. Shall we? Yes. But, but first we have kind of the lead up, the, the road to flashpoint is, is what it was actually called. Yep. Flash volume three issues eight through 12 that we, that we read first. Absolutely. So again, as noted, this is by Jeff Johns. It was penciled by Scott Collins, also inked by him, I believe for the most part. Colored by Brian Buccioletto and lettered by Sal Cipriano. Editors were Eddie Braganza and Adam Schlagman. And so Johns had been writing this for a while. And as of issue eight, we now sort of got this decision that comes in that they're going to bring these to an end and they're going to reboot. And... So he, in Flash, starts kind of the, the build-up to this, because he's writing that book, and then he's going to write Flashpoint out of it. story begins with us going in and actually looking at the origin of someone named Eobard Thawne, who's a researcher in the 25th century, obsessed with the history of the Flash. And now, Eobard Thawne, by the way, is new to you. He's someone that we all knew already, but there are new elements to his origin put in here that had not been revealed before. So the reverse flash had been around for a long time. A lot of the things had already occurred, but there is some new information in here as well. 
We see that a series of tragedies lead to him becoming the director of the Flash Museum and to eventually gaining the powers of the Flash. We then join up with Barry Allen, back in the past, or our, our present, who is sort of avoiding his family while he's troubled about versions of, the, of his mother that he'd been recently seeing. Allen is then confronted by another Barry Allen, who drives this cosmic motorcycle and goes by the name of Hot Pursuit. That Barry tells us there are 52 Earths in the multiverse, and that this one is actually the Keystone. Similarly, the Barry on this Keystone Earth is the original generator of the Speed Force for the entire multiverse. And because of that, there now being a temporal anomaly in this time that could somehow disrupt that is something that could mess up the entire multiverse. Alan's also at this point trying to solve a series of mysteries involving premature aging, and he finds a young boy at one of the sites that he takes in as witness. That boy turns out to be an age-regressed Eobard Thawne, who soon reveals himself to be the, the Reverse Flash, kills Hot Pursuit, and threatens to use his new Speed Force powers that he has discovered through experimentation to destroy the rest of Barry's world, uh, and then he just sort of zips away. That night, Barry then, because this is his mother's birthday, goes to visit his mother's grave and says, It all changes now, while lightning crashes down portentously behind him. There you go. We, that's we find that's out, our startup. We, yeah. We we find out in kind of that lead up that uh, Thawne actually admits that he was the one that killed Nora Allen, Barry's mother, and well, and okay, so yes, I forgot that part. Let's talk about this. That, so that, it's that, kind, that's of important. kind of important to this. He learned this a while ago, so Barry's been dealing now with a while, and that's the reason he's avoiding his family and everything else is. He's sort of afraid of the fact that not only did the fact he's the Flash end up getting his mom killed in the past, but that he's sort sure. of a danger to anybody he's around. Because if yes. people know who he is, if his enemies know who he is, they might kill his family or his friends, etc. And so he's having problems with, uh, you know, with some of the other members of the Flash family and stuff because of this and sort of drawing away. And, yeah, Thawne continues to sort of haunt him. And at a certain point, he just sort of makes this decision that now that now that Thawne is back and he's made this, you know, statement that he's going to continue to destroy Barry's family, there's something he needs to do about it. And the reason why Thawne keeps killing his family members and threatening his family members is because due to the fact that Barry is the progenitor of the Speed Force, if... Thawne kills him, the speed force is cut off, and Thawne will never become the reverse Flash. So essentially, this is almost like you can't kill your grandfather type of thing. He can't kill the Flash, because in doing so, he'll destroy himself, so that he will never, he'll never be born, essentially. So yeah. because of that, he's like, I can't kill you, but I can destroy everyone around you and make your I life miserable. Yes, I can make you very unhappy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and so after dealing with this and seeing he's back, Barry's like, okay, I'm going to fix this. So relatively straightforward beginning story. There's a lot of characters in here you wouldn't have been familiar with. So as a note, Iris is Iris Allen, previously Iris West. She's his wife. 
Uh, you've got uh, Wally West, who is used to be Kid Flash, then took over as The Flash, then ended up sort of being one of The Flashes, maybe, when The Flash comes back, which got a little uh-huh. weird. And then you've got time-traveling versions of The Flash. So Yes. Bartholomew Flash. Yep. Bartholomew. Bart. Yep. Bart Allen. Yes. Who's like his great-great-great-grandson or something like this. Who somehow him coming back in time and going around doing things doesn't break stuff. But when Barry does, it's it's bad news. So that's and and that's initially what Hot Pursuit goes after is Mm -hmm. is Bart Allen, because he thinks this is this is somebody who's not supposed to be here, a time traveler from the future coming back, you know, and Barry Allen's like, he's been here for a little while. He's been doing things. Nothing has happened. Everything should be fine. There's. No, don't don't go after him. But yep. yeah, there's so there's a battle between Hot Pursuit Barry Allen and Barry Allen because he wants to take out uh, Bart Allen in, yep. in this. Until we realize, and there's the big reveal of the kid undeaging himself and presenting himself as the Reverse Flash, and that he's the one killing all these people and aging them, and and making things difficult and is going after this um the the other woman in the crime lab that that left and is now coming back patty sort of a romantic interest of his for a while uh who is no longer in the picture with iris around so the the main takeaways again if you're getting ready for the flash movie and you don't know a lot about the flash he's a forensic scientist he works with the police uh, and then also you know, goes off and, and does his own stuff as the Flash. He got his powers by having chemicals dumped on him and having a lightning bolt come down on him while he was working on the, on the chemicals, which then other villains and the like have tried to now duplicate that combination of chemicals and whatever over and over and nobody seems to be able to. The... The Flash family is relatively consistent. Iris is going to be the love interest. Wally is sort of the, uh, almost like the Robin to his Batman through most of time. There probably will not be a Wally or any of these other guys in there, but if they did show up, uh, that would not be surprising in some ways. And what the Flash is essentially doing when he runs is he's accessing this almost like separate type of energy called the speed force it's this field that he can generate that then he turns into super motion and the like and can do whatever and the speed force allows him to do a bunch of things he can travel in time if he really wants to he can move really fast he can vibrate through things and so he's got kind of this range of powers and different writers have given him other things as well but that's really his primary thing he runs fast He can vibrate so that he can go through walls or make bullets and stuff go through him without without hurting him. And when things go bad, he can run through time. Although he tends to try not to do that too much if he can help it. So even yeah, he even talks about that in this before kind of the end of of book 12, which is because he's like, I can, but I don't do that really. He's just like that. There's there's too many, you know, 
issues. He understands the dangers of it. Yep. Exactly. So, so that's where we're at though. So now here he is at the very end of this, standing at his mother's grave, and then we're off to Flashpoint. I did not realize how important those final panels were. And that final panel of him basically just being at the grave of his of his mother and I it didn't really click to me that like oh this is going to actually be really important for the flashpoint books because yes spoiler there is that that tends to be really important uh catalyst to what happens in flashpoint and I think that's you know a credit to the writers and to the team because maybe people didn't really you know, some would have, some would have maybe had their antenna up after that, but a lot of folks going in are going to, you know, kind of blame the usual suspects and things like, like you would be expected to. So, anyways, that's the last issue of Flash number twelve for volume three. The next month we start with Flashpoint. This is technically Flashpoint version two because there was a previous unrelated story called Flashpoint back in the nineties, but this is another one from twenty eleven. Written by Kubert or by uh, Jeff Johns, drawn by Andy Kubert of the Kubert family, really famous and talented family of artists. Inked by Sandra Hope, colored by Alex Sinclair, letters by Nick Neapolitano or Napolitano, and edited by Adam Schlegman and Rex Ogley. So, this is essentially you can kind of look, a lot of the names are the same in terms of this book. It's essentially continuing on from The Flash or replacing The Flash uh, that month. The first issue of this begins with Barry on Nora Allen's birthday again. He's at the office. Something happens. He tries to run down the steps to save the day. Ends up not having any super speed, tripping and falling down the steps. At the bottom of the steps, he finds his mom. So... We're still on the same day we were when we left the last issue of Flash. But that's where the normalcy sort of ends. Barry doesn't have his powers. He's not with Iris anymore. His mom is alive. His enemy, Captain Cold, is now called Citizen Cold and is the defender of Central City. Atlantis and Themyscira have destroyed much of Europe in a devastating war. Cyborg is out there trying to organize some sort of a superpowered resistance. And Bruce Wayne is dead, leaving his father Thomas as the Batman of this story. So, that's kind of where we end, I think, the first issue. And if you thought you were confused before, well, <laughs> yes. here we are. This was a complete sort of, like, I get that this was the same story. Like, I knew I was in the right space. Like, I didn't know... I. There, there have been times where I thought maybe I'd skipped a book or something like this. Mm-hmm. I knew this was the next book, but man, there is just this seismic shift in the in the story and where we where we sort of ended and where we ended up be, being and everything that's going on is is completely different. Yeah, you have the war between Wonder Woman and uh, Aquaman. You've got Barry without powers. You've got his mom who's dead, who's now alive. You've got Cyborg trying to rally all these superhumans 
to try and help stop Wonder Woman and Aquaman from basically destroying the world. And and nobody really wants to help, really, to be perfectly frank. It, there's very few people that are actually helping it. And actually, that's why he goes to Batman to try and get Batman. Because basically he said, you know, Batman's the myth, the legend, the cape. He's everything. And like, if I can get him, then everyone else is going to fall in line. But Thomas Wayne isn't, isn't really having any of it. No, not, not intrigued by it. So that's kind of where we end the issue. Everything's confusing. Everything was confusing for those of us reading in 2011. This was actually a, a book that I was trying to read along with as it went, and I was confused as heck. So nonetheless, the story continues, head into the next month here, and we see an insanely violent version of Aquaman and Wonder Woman going around murdering people who previously were their friends. Uh, Barry Allen convinces Wayne to help him get his powers back by sort of going to the mansion and convincing him to throw chemicals on him and electrocuting him repeatedly. Oddly, this somehow works, uh, even though it does burn him mostly to a crisp first. So there's some gross panels there. But then once he gets his powers back, uh, one of the things that he does have is sort of super regenerative healing. So the Flash does heal relatively quickly from uh, things that happen to him. Then find Cyborg, who leads the crew to Subject 1. Uh, this is actually the, sub the Superman of this world, who's been kept locked up ever since crashing to Earth. We see like the sad skeleton of crypto hanging in one of the other uh, sort of cells and the like. They help him to escape in the hope that he's actually going to then help them end the war. But he just sort of is like, forget this, I'm out of here. And he flies away, right? Which is, which is reasonable. Can't really say that that's a bad plan. But... Considering that doesn't work, they then have to try to put together another team to try and stop the war. They're able to do so, but they're actually betrayed when they get to the fight. And in the process of trying to stop the war, Shazam is killed by Wonder Woman and things start to look kind of bleak. At this point, Thawn shows up. We're nearing the end of things. Barry actually assumes he's there to gloat, right? And he accuses him of causing this nightmare timeline. And Thawne kind of looks around and happily informs Barry that in actual fact, he didn't do it this time. It was Barry's own actions when he went back in time to save his mother from being murdered that caused time to completely fracture. So Thawne also reveals that he was actually in the time stream when Barry did this whole thing. And because of that, since he was sort of flying, I don't know, you know, between times, when I'm when everything changed, yeah. he now is cut off from the the restrictions of needing Barry's time, and so because or Barry's uh, powers, and because of that, he's now free to kill him, which he sort of gleefully sets about getting ready to do. Until the Batman puts a massive sword through him, and sort of takes care of that right problem. through his back, right through his back, and. Thomas Wayne then tells Barry that, you know, he saved him, but now it's Barry's turn to fix this. After which he goes back, he visits his mom, and heads into the time stream to actually find himself going back to save his mom and stopping himself. Saying, look, you can't do this, dude. And 
By doing that, he then prevents the rewriting of time, sets everything back, quote-unquote, the way it used to be, which we're going to find out isn't exactly the case when we get to New 52. But he returns to his restored timeline, still retains some memories of his mother, and also comes back with a small gift, because he's got a note from one Batman to another, where Thomas Wayne is actually given the chance to speak to Bruce one last time. So he goes to the Batcave, and he gives Batman a note from his father. So, there we go. And that's the end. We kind of stopped and chatted a little bit after the first book, after the first bullet. So yep. I thought that was what we were going to do with these other bullets, but you then I just, went, just through. went through. Yes. Yeah. Let's just talk. We'll call it good. Okay. okay. All right. So that, yeah, so that was the story. We, I went through a little more there. So let's, we can roll back. What do you think about Thomas being the Batman of this story? Absolutely shocked. Absolutely, absolutely shocked. And that's actually why uh, Thomas Wayne, Batman, agrees to help Barry Allen. Because Barry tells Thomas that he's friends with Bruce Wayne. And that, you know, in the timeline that, that Barry Allen knows, Bruce is alive, Thomas has died. And, and that, you know, and that's really all Thomas wants. Thomas yeah. wants his son Bruce to be alive and is willing to help because basically this, this timeline gets erased. If Barry Allen gets to achieve what he wants, this timeline basically doesn't exist. It just sort of floats away and Bruce is alive. And so that's, that's why he's willing to help him. And then seeing, seeing Barry Allen get electrocuted was rather graphic in, the, in these books you have a full page panel of him basically getting electrocuted in like almost like you know you go you watch any of these like older movies or tv shows where they have the electric chair yep. uh, you know the wood chair with the with the hand restraints and the thing on their head it was basically like he just sat in one of those on the roof of a building and and then just got himself electrocuted. Yep. And, and a lightning rod on and his And it head. didn't work. It didn't work the first time. So he had to go up and do it a second time before yeah. it actually got him his powers back. Yeah. That was a little crazy. So what's interesting though is, you know, you've got you've got that switch where now, you know, Bruce dies, and not only then does Thomas take over as Batman. But in some of the other stories, and then later on, in the Flashpoint timeline, the Joker is actually Martha Wayne. Because she really? loses it after her son is murdered and turns into the Joker. So, there you go. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but most of the other heroes also, you know, Superman is hidden away. So you don't have any Clark Kent. You don't have that force for good on the planet for the last 30 years you have aquaman and wonder woman end up fighting each other and what actually happened there by the way is that during an alliance between their two like countries or or peoples wonder woman and aquaman end up having an affair mira aquaman's wife finds out 
She decides to assassinate Wonder Woman to get back at her, because that's what you do when you're a queen, I guess. And when she tries it, Wonder Woman actually kills her instead. And then Aquaman suddenly loves his wife and is like, hey, you killed my wife, now we must be at war. So that's kind of what led up to all of this. Cyborg is there, and he's actually the only one still sort of trying to hold everything together. And, of course, the Flash is, is not a factor in that universe. And Hal Jordan never gets the ring. So Aben Sur was still the, the Green Lantern or was the, the one who had the ring in that universe. So because of that, basically the entire Justice League is sort of taken off the board in the Flashpoint universe. In terms of, of a force for good, anyway. The I think the only thing that surprised me more than Thomas Wayne being Batman was the fact that we had Superman, but he was like locked away in this underground bunker. And when they finally see him, you know, Barry Allen's been talking him up. He's like, there's he's this indestructible force and this, you know, he he can do anything. He can he can he he will be able to stop everything that's going on and they basically kind of open the door to where he's being held and he's just this beanpole scrawny looking sickly looking because he hasn't seen basically the light of day since since his rocket crashed into earth yep. it, it just they they realized right away that there was something potentially very uh problematic i guess with him and that that like he could be a very big uh, differential force in the world. And so they're like, okay, we're going to just lock him away and throw away the key. Well, it's exactly what the Kents were afraid of and why when they found him in a... The big difference is that when the Kents found him, the, the rocket crashed into a field in Kansas, way away from everyone. In the Flashpoint universe, the rocket crashes into Metropolis and kills 30,000 people. And then... I the government finds who's inside and he never makes it out of the lab. And so that's the big difference is location, location, location. Superheroes are like real estate, evidently. All <laughs> about location. So. so anyways, other than that, the, the big reveal, that idea that we've been waiting this whole time and we figure that you know, with the leading up to Flashpoint with Eobard Thawne and everything, he's set up as the bad guy. We know he's going to be the one that did it. And then, oops, Barry destroyed the timeline. Yeah. yeah. That, Sounds like they got you with that one. That was masterfully done. because and, and to be perfectly honest, I mean, this isn't something new. I mean, I think I've seen this sort of thing happen in sci-fi Yep. or time travel stuff more than once before. But at the same time, they did such a great job of making the bad guy the bad guy, right? And and sort of making him kind of this almost like, well, he's the one that's capable of doing this. This isn't really how... Barry Allen couldn't be the cause of this, right? Yes. And then you have... the. I think the best part is when you have the bad guy explaining to the good guy that the good guy is the reason this is all has gone to heck yep. is, is, and then, and then you see like 
in the panels you're seeing these flashes of like oh here's here's all these things that 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 i'm remembering and like mm-hmm. this is how it, it starts to then make sense it's like oh yeah i guess i did do that and yeah i guess this is my fault and he sort of when he gets there after flashpoint Barry's memories start to merge where he remembers the life yeah. of the Barry Allen in the Flashpoint universe and slowly starts losing or forgetting the the memories and the life of his pre-Flashpoint self. And so by the time they get to the big battle, he's forgotten a lot of things, including the fact that he was the one that's at fault for all of this, which evidently yeah. went away pretty quickly because he hasn't known that. And so somehow the reverse Flash uses some crazy powers he's got to be able to restore his memory by vibrating him or something. And then Barry's like, oh no, it was me all along and has to then go and try and fix it. But that's not to take away from how bad the reverse flash is. We still know who the bad guy yeah. is, right? The guy no, who murdered a little boy's mom and made him angry enough that he went back and accidentally blew up the world is still the bad guy, right? Yes. So Barry Allen didn't intend to do this, but the unintended consequences here are huge, and so he's got to fix it. So, yeah. And and the fact that Thomas Wayne ends up being the one that sticks the giant sword through the back of of the mm-hmm. big bad guy, and then says, you know, in in war, you can't stop moving. It was. It's just. I don't know. I, I just sort of lost it right there. I thought it was just a fan, a, a surprising, but an amazingly satisfying way for, because Barry didn't look like he was going to be able to, to kill the reverse flash. No, he was, he was in and, trouble there. And, mm-hmm. and like, there is all the, you know, there's other like forces from like the wonder woman, Aquaman, uh, battle going on there as well and you had like this European resistance that had shown up to try and help as well but there you there was just so much going on and so many characters and and everything that it was just sort of like you were seeing like this slow motion moment in oh. like this large sea battle scene of humanity going after each other and, and it was a lot of times it seems like it's weird when like the bad guy ends up getting beaten in a way that just seems sort of off the cuff or rather ridiculous. And it, and it isn't really necessarily even the good guy that does it here. Yeah. This just felt incredibly satisfying actually. Yep. And it's, you know, to a certain extent, Thomas Wayne taking his vengeance on somebody who killed his kid too. Cause if it hadn't been, for all of this stuff, you know, that Barry wouldn't have come back and changed things if it hadn't been for this guy messing it up in the first place. So the the whole thing kind of follows a path. But this Batman is definitely more no-nonsense than his son. Thomas Wayne is not, he does not have the same code his son has, for better or for worse. So very interesting stuff, though, and that kind of you know, gets us to that point where now Barry comes back and he's like, hey, things look fine. We're going to find their 
they're fine. In fact, they're pretty good. I liked the new 52 when it came out. But they are different. They bring back characters. They talked about how they're merging those three dimensions or whatever. They're bringing back a number of characters. They're re rebooting things. They're kind of freshening up the universe. Something that maybe needed to be done. And the problem is DC does this maybe a little more often than they should. Because they have a crisis <laughs> or a reboot every five years, it seems. And Marvel is very careful about this. They've only really done this a couple times. And so we don't see this as often there. There's that sort of constant thread of the Marvel Universe where everything that ever happened still happened. DC doesn't maintain that sort of policy. So they just change things sometimes. So outside of, of the other things, by the way, to me... The last six pages of this are one of the greatest gifts that are ever given to a comic character. This is a Batman who spent his entire career dealing with that sort of trauma of losing his parents in front of his eyes. And with the guilt of the fact that he was the one that wanted to go to this movie. And that's the reason why they were there. And there's lots of things where they talk about the guilt that Bruce Wayne has. And that... That ability for the Flash to then bring back, what he brings back is a letter, essentially, from Thomas talking about how proud he is of his son and how much he wants him to have a better life, right? And Batman gets that, and it's just sort of like this catharsis for a comic fan. I will never read that last part of Flashpoint and not be affected by it. I've read it yeah. many times over the years. It's just sort of this beautiful, unexpected little valentine to longtime DC fans. Also to to newer fans, folks who haven't maybe seen as much DC. I, I mean, Batman brought me into superhero films. Like the original Michael Keaton Batman. That's It's why I want to go see The Flash. is because Michael Keaton is reprising his Batman role for, for the first time in several decades and i was so looking forward to it and yeah i don't have the same connection to batman that a lot of comic book readers have but i still he is one of my favorite superhero characters and to see that part of this of of this story it was just amazing because it, it was like I don't know all of it, but I get I know enough of it to know how big a deal it is. And it was so unexpected that that would happen. I was not expecting that I would see Barry Allen talking to Bruce Wayne and suddenly pull out a handwritten note from Thomas Wayne for his son. And no. then you could read the top of it and then you read the last line. And and it was just it was so and, and then Bruce breaks down. As as you would, yep. as you would expect, and it was just, and that, and that's how it ended, and it was just, it was beautiful. It was a wrap up I didn't know that I needed that was just amazingly well executed. Shall we move on? Because I want to, I want to talk about key concepts for the movie, right? Sure. So one of the cop concepts for the movie that after reading this and thinking about it. I am now believing, and we'll see if it happens or not. We know some of you with us for the Moon Knight uh, stuff know that 
some of my theories are more dependable than others. But the thing that makes sense to me is that Michael Keaton is Thomas Wayne. And really? if Michael Keaton is Thomas Wayne, and obviously we still have our existing regular Batman as Bruce Wayne, then you could duplicate this ending at the ending of the Flash movie with the Flash bringing that piece of paper from Michael Keaton to Ben Affleck. And the more I think about it, I don't think it matters if you're a fan of the comics or you're a fan of the movies. Batman as a concept is so ingrained in that idea of how important the loss of his parents was and how much that affected him. But I think that could be, if it's done well, a spectacular wrap-up to the the current Snyder slash Whedon slash whatever yeah. and just bring it home. What what a way to sort of end this part of like DC movies and and sort of wipe the slate kind of clean for James Gunn and everything that comes after it it would in fact be a perfect after scene you finish things up you run the credits and then there is Aflac sitting in the back cave and Barry brings him this letter from his dad and then you finish it up that would be something so um other than that the main things going into the movie that I wanted to get you and anybody else who maybe is not familiar with the Flash's story Barry's mom is murdered in every version of the Flash comics. This is key, is that Barry's mom was murdered when he was young. His father was convicted of the crime. And that that's the reason why he's a cop. So he also has a tragic backstory. In the comics, it is this time-traveling speedster called the Reverse Flash who goes back in time... First, to try and be the Flash, because he wants to be a hero. But then as he does that, he realizes over time that he's actually the villain. He goes and tries to kill the Flash's wife, and the Flash actually kills him. And then he learns that, somehow, comes back and continues like there's some weird time loop. So the Flash has killed the reverse Flash once. Really? But then he goes back and he kills his mom. I don't think they're going to get into all of that because it still doesn't really make sense even after all these years. (laughs) It does not. But during the Flashpoint story, Barry goes back to save his mom, unwittingly sets in motion these temporal changes that sort of destroy his present. Primary among that, Superman is locked away in a lab since arriving on Earth, and that Batman is now Thomas Wayne with Bruce dying in the alley instead. So... Very possible in that case, Michael Keaton becomes Batman and is his dad. And Sasha Call, as Supergirl, I think is going to be the Kryptonian that's locked up in the vault. And will be released during the the whole breakout. So instead of it being Henry Cavill that is locked away, it's going to be Supergirl instead of Superman that comes to Earth. And that's how the breakout happens. 
or or who they break out when they go in there. He would be the the right. subject one. Wonder Woman and Aquaman having the affair and the big the big battle. So Zod will be the world ending threat that there was nobody there to to stop prevent, because yeah. yeah to prevent because of the changes that Barry made that then left the world uh, vulnerable. Probably the primary change that's going to end up happening is a an Earth with no Superman is extremely vulnerable to being attacked by Kryptonians. So if you don't have Superman here, when the rest of the Kryptonians arrive, you're going to have problems. And then outside of that, I think it's, you know, Barry and Iris have always been sort of this core. Barry's very much in the comics about family and the like. I would assume that probably they're going to get some of that going, although it does seem like this is a more sort of a, a young and, and just kind of getting started Barry Allen. So I don't know how much time they'll have for that. So, what do you think? You ready for this? I feel a lot more prepared for them for going and seeing the Flash movie than I did a week ago. Which is which is nice because there I I was very much looking forward to it, but very concerned that I was going to feel lost basically from start to finish. And I wonder if if it ends up being kind of like this, how well received it's going to be. It seems like there's definitely parts of this that could resonate with an audience that isn't as familiar with this. So it's going to be really important from a, a script writing standpoint to make everything make sense to somebody who doesn't have the background of, from the comics. If it pulls as much from this Flashpoint comic series as we think it will. I think that's an excellent point. That's actually something I worry about. One of the problems with this is that Flashpoint is essentially a deconstruction of the DC universe. Literal deconstruction, because they're taking it apart and putting it back in the new 52 in a couple months, right? But right. because of that, these are characters who are not the characters that audiences are used to and the situations they're used to. And so what you're asking people to do is to have sort of this understanding of the characters that allows them to sort of enjoy the differences between the new characters and the sort of regular universe. But how many people are going to understand the regular universe levels of Barry? Now, there's been a bunch of TV shows, you know, that like 10 seasons of The Flash on The CW, which is a great show, especially the first couple of years. I think the first season was one of the best seasons of comic book television I've ever seen. So there's a number of people out there who are going to have a good grounding in this. But I do think that they risk having a story that is incredibly inaccessible to just drop in off of the street type of audiences. Yeah. The more, don't, the more casual uh, comic, uh, mm -hmm. you know, superhero sort of enjoyer, they, they come to this and they're like, I don't understand what's going on. How yeah. am I going to enjoy this? And DC did this before. They saw the the huge success that Marvel had with the Avengers. And they're like, hey, let's do Justice League. But what they didn't do really was the work to set up 
the Justice League beforehand. You know, they didn't necessarily make kind of this established origin movies for everybody and get the characters and the actors in place and then build up to it. They're just like, hey, we're going to make the Justice League. It's going to be awesome, right? This feels a little bit like if Marvel had just decided to do Infinity War without bothering to do any of the movies before it. Right. And I suspect that would have left people completely lost, right? The the level of complexity required, like what Infinity War and, and Endgame required of people coming in is astonishing in terms of previous knowledge and the like. And Flashpoint won't be that, but there's going to be a bunch of things in here that they're going to have to do a really good job of explaining really quick if they're going to get to the action and not leave people confused. It's interesting. I've been seeing like comments about this and I, and I've, it seems like the people that have had the most glowing things to say about the, the flash movie have been people. I think that really are invested in the comics and really understand what is going on. And so uh, I, I really concerned that there, that this could look really bad. It, like from a just a general audience sort of standpoint if 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 it does require the amount of like knowledge mm-hmm. or that you would that you needed uh yep. yeah dc is definitely willing to expect more of the audience and to deliver more fan service possibly in a way that's not i think is accessible the, the last few movies, you know, the, the Superman movie, it drew on a lot of tropes that people who've been reading Superman for 40 years and maybe wanted something that was darker or wanted something that didn't feel like what they'd seen before, maybe liked Man of Steel more than people who went to the theater and hadn't seen a Superman movie in a few years and were mostly just remembering Christopher Reeve. And so... I think this could say be the same like thing. That. I would say the same thing about Bat, the the most recent Batman movie as well. Like Probably true. Sort of, yeah. Yep. I I know that a lot of people who are big DC fans really love that movie, and a lot of folks who are casual movie fans had a tougher time with it. And so we'll see what happens. I do think that this is going to be an entertaining movie. I'm still unhappy about the fact that it's got a a really problematic person at the front of it. And basically I'm almost like getting getting ready to go to it this weekend going, there are, there are a lot of people other than the star involved in making a movie. And so I'm just going to go to see a movie by all of those people that just happens to have this one person I would prefer to not see a movie in. And we'll call it good. So... But other than that, I am excited about the idea of this. Flashpoint done right could be a lot of fun. And we'll see what happens. This, make no mistake, this is a good story. And if they are able to take the major story beats from this and create a live action version of this that comes anywhere close to it, 
I think you'll have a very entertaining film. And so I, that's what I'm rooting for. I, I as you said, there, there's definitely concerns about some of the other things around around this film and, and that I'm not excited to potentially be inadvertently sort of condoning by going to the film, but there are definitely some people, some characters and some things that I really want to see. And I'm excited to go and see that part of the film. Yep. That's, that is what we must, uh, I guess, I guess look towards. So in any case, I think I've got you ready, Dwayne. I think you are ready now to walk into the theater and confidently, as well as you, dear listeners, confidently sit down and find out that I was completely wrong about everything and come back and tell me next week. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. That is what I'm looking forward to. So we'll see how it goes. All right, so we got some, some favorite type of things I wanted to ask you. We had a couple of different art styles this week. What did you think of the art and which was your favorite between the, the pages that you saw by Scott Collins in the first books or Adam Kubert in the, the second group? I actually really liked the artwork in the Flashpoint series, the Andy Kubert and yep. Sandra Hope. I think, I think we need anchor, to yeah. specifically call out uh, her because there was... I really liked the color usage throughout this entire in, entire book. That would be the colorist. That would be the colorist? Yep. That wouldn't be the anchor? No, penciler, right? So, slight bit of, of diversion here, everyone. The, the penciler is the person who does the initial art. They will make you know, draw the buildings and the characters and everything, and they do it usually in like a blue line pencil or a light pencil. And that then gives you your, your essentially page of art. Now, the artist can also then complete the page by going and then inking over all those lines with like an India ink and getting it ready for the printer. But because pages are money in comics and because penciling is a skill not everybody has and because inking is a skill not everybody has but different people have it, Usually once the penciler is done, they will give the pages to somebody else to then do the inking. And they'll take those pages of blue line or light pencil and apply India ink and heavy shadow and all the rest and get them ready then for press. Once that's done, then you send it to the colorist. The colorist will then take a copy of that, scan it into the computer, and then digitally color all of that adding in all the various color tones and the like. And then the letterer will come in, make all of the, the bubbles and the lines around the boxes, and then put in the words and sound effects and stuff like that. As well as usually if there's like a like a piece of glass that's got a, a logo or a, a bar name written on it or something, usually the letterer will be the person who will do that. So anything that's type related and stuff and stuff like that. But the reason this was done originally is to try and make sure that you could assembly line this stuff out as quickly and cheaply as possible. Yeah. And so if Andy Kubert is inking his own stuff, which is a difficult and time-intensive thing, he can probably do maybe 15 to 20 pages a month. 
If he's not inking his own stuff, maybe he can do 30 or 35 pages a month. So. All right. So I will give credit to Andy Kubert, Sandra Hope, and Alex Sinclair. There you go. I think one is the color in this, I think, was amazingly mm -hmm. done, well done. It's fantastic. There was some very rich colors used throughout all of this and really accented the work done by Andy Kubert and Sandra Hope, who... I love the the level of detail in this was great. There was a lot of action going on, a lot of things going on. I felt like there was enough detail that I could figure out. I, I could see what I needed to see, but not so much that I got lost. And, yep. and so it was it was very well done. And, and actually, one of the things I really liked about the Flashpoint series is at the end of the books... Uh, Andy Kubert, they had hit him do like this outline drawing of several of the characters that were shown in that book. So mm -hmm. like they showed subject one and they showed how he had drawn it for this and like just sort of a rough outline drawing. The character concept and, and sketches. Yep. Character concept, yeah. And then had like some bullet points about it. And it and for every issue there was at least like three or four of them sometimes like in the in the issue where they highlighted the 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 Shazam kids, there there you know there was half a dozen there because because you have all all the all the kids, but it was it was really interesting and just kind of added more to the story than I even thought I needed. Yep, when it came to absolutely for the art aspect of it. Yeah, Kubert is a spectacular artist. A lot of these other folks as well have gone on to do really spectacular things uh so it's a it's a really well done series and, and and a lot of times dc has done a good job lately of when they do one of these big event books they're going to get one of their top artists to do the main spine books like the flashpoint books or the crisis books or whichever ones are on they, they usually have some pretty good stuff there and lastly worst part of the week what what bothered you about these? Anything? So I think the thing that I was the worst part of the week is I, until we sat down and started talking tonight, I really didn't understand the speed force and how it related to Barry Allen and the flash and all the other flashes, mm -hmm. uh, the, all the other Barry Allens, uh, you know, how it pertained to, the villain, Ebard Thon, it, it just, it didn't really make sense. And it was a bit unfortunate that the book we started on, book eight, uh, was was the book kind of showed the backstory of Ebard Thon, who, you know, there's very little on Barry Allen in that very first book. Yes. And so it, it, it um, I unexpected... When I when I got to it, I just didn't have any background knowledge on on the Flash or Barry Allen. So jumping in and then learning about his his you know the, the villain uh, of the story, uh, you know, it was a little difficult to understand. But I think I've got a better understanding now as we've talked through this. You you did actually a, a pretty good job of explaining early on in our discussion of Volume Three what the Speed Force was and. And how it's sort of related to all these, 
uh, all these flashes and, and different versions of, of Barry Allen that we saw. Huzzah. So yeah, it's going to be fun. We'll see. We'll see how all this goes. Dwayne, where are we going next week? What are, what are we going to talk about next week? We, we are going to the movie theaters. Actually, we are going to go see, uh, releasing this Friday, June 16th. It is, it is DC's the flash. And we are going to actually get to see if it is a, an adaptation of the flashpoint series, if it ends up being something else, it's going to be really interesting to see. I'm very excited to see, you know, Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck donning, donning the Cape again, potentially at least one of them does according to the, the trailer that we've seen. And, uh, you know, we see Zod again. And so I'm very interested in seeing the story and very much looking forward to talking with you about it next week. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I think that going back and rereading Flashpoint has gotten me even more excited. So if we go there and this isn't anything to do with Flashpoint and it's a weird, terrible other story, just as a note, I'm going <laughs> I'm going to be really angry when we're talking next week if I'm wrong and, and it doesn't work out. But we'll see. That, uh, that is a worry for next week. If nothing else, I feel like I have a lot more knowledge about Barry Allen and the Flash character that I definitely did not have going into this week. So if nothing else, this was a nice primer to get me ready for the movie from that standpoint. Yep. Very cool. All right. And with that, that is going to wrap it up for us for this week. We'd like to thank you all for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing on your podcast player of choice. That way you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released. If you're new to the podcast or you've been with us from the beginning, we'd love to get your thoughts on the show or the Flash movie or the Flashpoint comics. If you read along with us this week, you could send those comments to us via email. That address is comments at comicsovertime.com or you can reach out to us via social media we are on twitter at comics overtime there dan i'm ready for the flash thank you so much for getting me ready and i look forward to talking with you about it next week excited to get to it sounds good we'll see you soon Until next week everybody take care see you later folks 